So, everyone's tired today, yes? Yes. yes? Everyone's like totally checked out and over it. How many of you wish today were your last day of school? And all the teachers oh, said yes. amen. So, um, this is our last secondary chapel of this school year. And um, as I thought about what we should do or could do, um, it's always hard to pick and choose. Um, what what to, what to bring you guys and so um, today's word or, or message is what I called three keys to a successful life which is actually really lame and kind of geeky but my brain was fried and I was out of creative juice and so we're gonna zip through three stories in scripture that have great nuggets of wisdom in it for you to hopefully take away okay um, and if you guys want to be successful in your life if you will adopt these three um, mantras or policies or wisdom nuggets, tools, there we go, um, it will take you very far in life, very far in life, regardless of what you do, okay? These are things that all of us in here are capable of doing on one condition, and I'll talk about that condition at the end, but uh, E, if you'll flip through to my first slide. Uh, the first principle is this. Be someone who owns your mistakes. I should have used purple. It just looked pretty on the computer. All right? Be someone who owns your mistakes. So in the book of Jonah, you guys are very, very familiar with this story. There was a guy named jo Jonah. God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. Wow. You guys must have a great Bible teacher. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh awkward. Okay. <laughs> Tough crowd. Um, God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh to uh, tell them to repent and to turn towards God. And we know the story well. Jonah decided not to go. And instead, he actually booked a cruise completely in the other direction. Okay, and so God told Jonah, Jonah, go and tell the people that I'm good and they should repent. And Jonah's like, uh, deuces God, I'm out of here, no thank you. I'm actually going to go in a complete opposite direction. And so we read this, I'm reading Jonah chapter 1, verse 7. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. Let me back up. They're on a boat. There's a massive storm happening, okay? I'm a big weather nerd. I love storms. Uh, I think it was Sunday. There was a possibility of storms, and I must have gone out on my front porch 10 different times. My dog is like, what are you doing? Because it wasn't enough to look through the little window. I had to, like, go out and see. I had to look at all the clouds and all the things. Um, you did not want to be on a boat in the middle of a storm. That is bad news bears. Okay, and so there's a storm going on. So verse 8, then they said to him, tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? I guess they decided to play 21 questions in the midst of the storm. And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Everyone's saying, hmm. So let me ask you this, pop quiz. Is it possible to fear God? yet disobey him? No. no, if you fear God, you'll obey him, right? Fearing God means a deep reverence and respect, right? All of you, you could probably say, yeah, my mom's a total softie and my dad is a strict one, or flip it. 
My dad is a softie and my mom is a strict one, right? So if you're asking to go to the movies with your friends or you need 50 bucks or you really want to go to this concert, who are you going to go to, the hard one or the soft one? The soft one, right? It is not possible to fear God and yet be disobedient. So Jonah says all the right things, but his life shows a different story. So he says, uh, so he tells him, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. Verse 10, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Verse 12, he said to them, this, this verse makes me laugh hard. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So principle number one, be someone who owns your mistakes. Jonah did not own his mistake. He did not say, it's my bad, I'll just peace out. Jonah put the responsibility for his wrong choice on the people in the boat. So what's the lesson for you and I? Our disobedience always causes someone else's storm. Think about that. Our disobedience always causes someone else's hardship. Our disobedience always causes trouble for someone else. Jonah is a grown man. The Bible never tells us that Jonah was a man without two legs, like some sort of setback or handicap. He didn't physically need help. What Jonah should have done is owned it, manned up, and said, it's me, I'm sorry, I've disobeyed and just jumped off and quickly swam the 3,200 to shore. But he didn't do that. He said, just, just throw me into the sea and perhaps the storm will stop. What a whip. You want to be successful in life? Be someone, keep flipping. Oh, thank you. Yeah, keep flipping. Be someone who owns your mistakes. Our disobedience, when we don't accept responsibility for our actions. Oh, go back, please. It's a sign of immaturity. It's a lack of character. When you don't accept responsibility for your actions, it makes you a victim and not an overcomer. It shows that you are blinded by your own sin. Responsibility opens the door for repentance. Think about this. Why are you and I quick to accept the blessings of God, the promises of God, but not the rebuke or the correction or the discipline? That's a spoiled brat. If the only time you talk to your parents is when you need money or you need them to save you from that evil Bible teacher who gave you a really bad assignment, then you're a brat. That's not a relationship. You're a brat. And you are not a victim. The Bible says that you are an overcomer, that you are the head and not the tail, that you are blessed and highly favored. You are a loved and chosen 
child of God, forgiven by him, loved by him. So if you're going to be big enough and bad enough to do the wrong thing, be big and bad enough to own it. Yes, Mr. Nichols, I punched Mrs. Gossett. She didn't tell me my hair looked good. Just own it. People can work with that. Principle number two. Never forget to say thank you. Never forget to say thank you. Can you go? Uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17 real quick. Most of you are familiar with this story. Luke 17, starting at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He is referencing Jesus here. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. Everyone say, unclean. Unclean. That was pathetic. Everyone say, unclean. Unclean. Okay, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered him, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Back in Bible times, leprosy is still a disease now uh, in other parts of the world. But back in Bible times, leprosy was a very, and it still is, a highly contagious disease. In Bible times, if you had leprosy, um, patches of your skin would turn white, you'd lose some hair. You would have oozing sores. And you were no longer allowed to be within the general public of everyone. You were kicked out of the city. You were kicked out of the town. You were kicked out of your home. Your family couldn't come see you. And so these lepers would live outside of the city in a village. And anytime anyone came remotely near, they would have to yell out, Unclean! Unclean! Thank God we don't have to yell out, Sinner. Right? That would change things. So Jesus heals ten of them, but how many turn back? One, how often do we pray and ask God to do things, but yet fail to return to spend as much time giving God thanks? God has done a lot of incredible things here at this place lately. Let's start with Mrs. Frazier, who had a stroke, who lost her ability to speak and, and to move. And she was in rehab, and, and she couldn't be here teaching where she wanted to be. She couldn't be with her family. And they discovered an issue with her heart. Well, you know what? She's at home today, fully walking, fully talking, just had a heart surgery on Monday. God has done incredible things. You ought to thank God for that. Let's start with Mrs. Anderson. Mrs. Anderson's husband had some pretty serious issues going on with his brain, and and medication, and it's been unknown, and she's been here and not here. She just texted me a little bit ago, no more brain bleeds. God is good. You ought to thank God for that. How about day of giving? Day of giving. We boldly asked God for $342,000. Guys, that is unheard of. In a season and in anxiety, 
where inflation is running rampant and people are feeling the pinch at the grocery store and at the gas pump. God did it. $342,000. Have you thanked God for that? Because that impacts you. But it's crazy that out of 10 lepers, think about how horrible that disease was, how much suffering and shame was attached to that disease. Out of 10 lepers that Jesus healed, only one returned to say thank you. And sometimes we forget, I love that it says that the leper turned back. Some of you have some people that you need to turn back and say, hey, I need to say thank you to you. It was a couple months ago, and you probably don't remember, but you were really kind to me on a bad day. Thank you. That really helped. You want to be successful in your life? Be someone who accepts responsibility for your choices and always say thank you. Guys, no thank you is too small. We, we underemphasize the power of gratitude. Gratitude changes everything. Uh, I was just talking at lunch and I ordered tater tots and there was a french fry in my tater tots and someone was like, ooh, bonus. And I laughed. I said, do you see that as a bonus? But I think that's cringy. I'm not eating that. Do you want that? Because it's perspective. It's an attitude of gratitude. Your perspective affects everything. If you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I hate school. I hate my life. I hate my parents. My teachers hate me. Guess what? I can almost guarantee my big toe on my right foot that you're going to have a horrible day. But if you practice an attitude of gratitude, man, God, thank you that you woke me up this morning. Thank you that I get to go to school and hang out with these awesome kids. Thank you that I work at a place where I get to stop class and just pray with them if that's what we need to do. An attitude of gratitude changes everything. Because let me tell you, someone will always be better off than you. And someone will always have it worse off than you. In Colorado one time I saw a guy skiing. He had one leg. I was sitting there complaining about my back hurting. An attitude of gratitude changes everything. Last point, and then we'll be done. Never give up. Never give up. In Luke chapter 8, there's a story about a woman. A woman who had bled for 12 years. Again, there was a lot of shame associated with this condition. She would have been considered unclean. She spent, the Bible tells us in Luke 8, that she spent everything she had going to doctors, trying to figure out what was wrong, getting help. She would have been considered unclean. She finds out Jesus is in town, and like typical, there's a massive crowd surrounding Jesus, and the woman, who is unclean, by the way, who has no money left, who's out of options, who really, the odds are stacked against her, it says that she pressed her way through the crowd, and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, the hem is like the bottom part, like you have a hem on your jeans, and it's the stitching that holds it all together, okay? She said, if I could just touch that part, I know I could be made well. It's kind of another a funny little clip because she presses her way through. She risks everything to get to Jesus. And instantly it says that power went out from Jesus and she was healed. And Jesus said, he stopped everyone and he said, 
who just touched me? And the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, I don't know. There's a big crowd. Why are you asking who touched you? And he said, no, I want to know who touched me because power has gone out. And he encountered the woman and he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You want to be successful in life? Be someone who never gives up. Some of you this school year have already given up. You've already written it off. I've literally heard someone say to me within the last two weeks, I'm going to fail anyway. Why should I try? It's a terrible attitude to have. Why try? Because you don't know what you're capable of until you give your best effort. Why try? Because a lot of people have put a lot on the line for you to be here. Why try? God forbid this might be your last day on planet Earth. I would hate to think if my funeral were tomorrow, what my coworkers might say. Oh, Tara, yeah, she was miserable. Complained about her back and hip hurting. She was tired and a grumpy bear. No one wants that said. But that's what would be said based on how I've handled today. Right? Or they might say, man, Tara never gave up. She always believed, right? Whatever you want to be remembered by, you ought to live out, even if nobody is looking. That's called character. Character is doing the right thing, even when no one is looking. You want to be successful in your life? Be someone who owns your mistakes. Just own it. I did it. Yes, Mr. Garcia, I cheated on my homework. I'm sorry. I guarantee you, he can work with that. What you can't work with is a lie. And a lie is a trap. Eventually the truth comes out. You want to be successful in your life? Be someone who owns your mistakes. Take ownership for it. Own it. Number two, always give thanks. And number three, never give up. Flip one more time. And we're going to be done after this. Questions to ask yourself. Do you accept responsibility for your actions? <coughs> Meaning... Are you quick to repent and apologize when needed? Number two, you can leave it uh, white. Number two, do you remember to say thank you, even if it means you turn around and go back? And last, are you one who refuses to give up, or are you quick to throw in the towel? Can you go one more? Opposites do not attract. The opposite of taking responsibility is to blame. Mrs. DeLotter, I just saw you pull Coach Spire's hair. What's going on? Well, she pulled mine first. But we do that all the time. That is not owning your choice, that's blaming. And it started way back in the Garden of Eden because Eve got the fruit and she ate the fruit and she not only ate the fruit, she dragged Adam into it and then they're naked and ashamed and playing hide and seek awkward and God's like Adam Eve are you not because he doesn't know what's going on but because he's he knows there's power when we confess he says Adam Eve where are you and Adam said well we're hiding because we're naked and ashamed and God said what happened what did you do oh that woman you gave me he totally blamed it on Eve as though he's not a grown man your sin is your responsibility, period, and is not anyone else's fault. 
Your excuse of, well, I don't have a good home life, guess what? That's just an excuse because a lot of people don't. Your excuse of, my friends made me do it, that's just an excuse. Excuses are weak. They're lame. Own it. You get thousands of choices every single day. What an exciting adventure. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. You really do. Are you going to flip your hair this way or are you going to flip your hair this way? Are you going to smile first at the person that you think is kind of weird or are you going to let them smile at you? Are you going to open your mouth when you sneeze or are you just going to shower the blessings down upon a class? I mean, literally thousands of choices you get every day. Your choice to do the wrong thing is 100% yours, period. It is not anyone else's. Okay? The opposite of gratitude is complaining. Did I tell you guys a story of when I was a kid? My big sister, one of the first Bible verses I learned, I think it's Philippians 4, 8. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. But it says, do everything without complaining or arguing. I complained a lot because when my big sister babysat, my twin sister and I, she made us do obstacle courses. I know it was like a secret fat kid camp, man. We would have to like hop over these couch cushions and do push-ups and sit-ups. And then we'd get like rewarded with celery sticks for lunch. Like worst big sister ever. And I was tired. My sweatpants are too tight on me and I'm tired and I'm and I would complain. So you know what she did? She got an index card and she wrote that verse on it and she called it the Philly card. So every single time I complained, she'd go, ah, Tara, Philly card, Philly card. Still have it to this day. It was annoying. But you know what? It helped me. The opposite of gratitude is complaining. Listen to what comes out of your mouth. If you're complaining, if you're whining, you're not being grateful. And last, the opposite of persevering is giving up. Those of you who have already given up this year, you have robbed yourself. You have robbed yourself of an incredible opportunity to finish strong. Uh, we've got a lot of Excellent athletes. That was proven last night at the sports banquet. But I'm going to pick on Leslie for a minute because she's not here, and it's funner to do it when you're not here. But of all the times she's ran, all the times she's chosen healthy food over unhealthy, she's always eating my carrot sticks for me out of my lunch, but never my little Debbie's. Uh, all the times she's competed, do you think every single time was pain-free or difficult-free? What if she had given up? She wouldn't hold the record. She wouldn't have a medal. What's the worst that could happen if you give up? You'll be robbed of the blessings that God has for you. Guys, we have eight, seven days of school left. Finish strong. Finish strong, don't give up. You get in there and you sit down and you give your best effort. God blesses your best effort, he doesn't bless anything less. Don't give up. Finish strong. I think I got one more. Consider this. Is your life marked by ownership or blaming <coughs> others? Are you quick to be thankful or to complain? Are you willing to finish well or to give up? That last song we sang, uh, I'd only heard it one other time. But it was interesting because at the beginning there was a verse on the slide and I don't know if you saw it. But it's First Chronicles 16, 11. And guys, listen. 
you and I cannot do this on our own strength. We are tired. Bone dead tired. Like what day is it? I think I have shampoo or conditioner in my hair. I don't know what's going on, but something happened this morning and here we are. Oh, and earlier during Little Kids Chapel, a baby pooped on me. So I currently have baby poop on my jeans, okay? And we're just rolling with it, all right? We're tired. We're stressed out. We're overwhelmed. Can you and I do any good apart from Jesus Christ? No. Because at our core, we're selfish, sinful, prideful, wretched beings. But listen to what it says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Actually, verse, yeah, verse 11. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. You know what that means? If I want to finish this year strong, then what's in my best interest tonight is to go home and not play zombies again, Call of Duty 2 on the old school PS2. That's right, love the farm level, hit me up. That's what I want to do. But the best thing I can do is to go home and put on some worship music and just let God recharge me. That's how you finish strong. That's how you learn to own your mistakes. That's how you learn to always say thank you. That's how you learn to finish well and not give up. You have to tap into the strength of Jesus. You and I cannot do it on our own. We will fail. You have seven days left. How will you finish this thing that you've started? It's not too late. It's not too late. Let me pray, and then we're going to close with a song. God, thank you for your word. And um, God, I am quick to complain. I don't say thank you like I should. And God, honestly, it's easier and more comfortable if I blame someone or something else for my poor choice rather than just own it. And God, I just repent of that. And, and God, I want to do right by you and by your word. But God, I can't do it on my own. We all in this room, God, we are tired. We are frazzled. We are overwhelmed. We are stressed. God, some of us don't even know what day it is and uh, what's coming tomorrow. So God, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. God, our strength, our strong tower. God, you are always good. You are always right. You are always faithful. And so, I, God, I pray that each one in this room would look to you. God, Psalm 121, we lift our eyes up to the hills. From where does our help come? Our help comes from you, Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God, help us. Help us to own our choices. Help us to be grateful. God, help us to finish well. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.